want to start today with a little bit of a story. You see, this week, I as a father had a great joy. It was a great joy of going to my, one of my daughter's spring concerts. Now, many of you guys have had these same types of joys in your life, whether it be you as a father, a mother, a grandparent, or a relative or a friend, you've been able to go see a child perform. Somebody who really means a lot to you. And this child, obviously, being my daughter, means a lot to me. So I, as a dad, was watching her from about third row back. My wife made a point to get us some reserved seats ahead of time. Love having a wife work in the schools now that she could go in there and put her, her jacket on a chair. But anyways, we were there focusing on my daughter, listening to her sing these songs which, by the way, all these songs for this concert were patriotic songs, as we're talking about and getting moving closer to Memorial Day. And maybe you need a reminder, a Memorial, Memorial Day is a day of remembering those who have served this country and lost their lives to protect our freedom, to protect our liberty. So as I heard her singing these songs, I couldn't help but start applying the same message, the same lyrics, to this Sunday morning service into next week, Good Friday and Easter. As I heard the song Choices, it made it even harder to not think about how it applies to our message as Christians. Let me read some of the lyrics to you. Some of the lyrics to the song called Choices were this. We are American, living in a land of liberty. We are American, living in a land that's free. We can make choices, choose our own ways. We are American. We are free. Obviously, I was super proud of my daughter and listening to her sing these, these words, but I couldn't help but think about how that goes a little bit further with our relationship with Christ, with having a belief that goes beyond just ourselves, a, a religion, a relationship with Christ that goes beyond just this country of being Americans. As I meditate on those words, we are American living in a land of liberty, I kept thinking about this. We are Christians living in a life of freedom. We are Christians living in a life of freedom. And this is not by our doing, but because of you, Jesus. You see, Memorial Day, we celebrate those brave souls who served our country to create and defend, to defend our freedom. But with Palm Sunday, today, we celebrate our King Jesus. And you know the great thing about this? I just couldn't get past this. And again, I love these patriotic songs. I love my, my daughter. I'm so proud of her and listening to her and thinking of how she could remember all these words. But here's the great thing. Jesus didn't just die for Americans. Jesus didn't just die to give us freedom, to give us liberty. Jesus served. He lived. He died. He triumphantly marched, marched into a city. Well, not really marched, on a donkey, wasn't it? Humbly, he came into a city. Jerusalem, humbly to lay his life down so that all may have an opportunity at hearing the gospel and having freedom. All of us, African American, white Caucasian, Asian, factory workers, lawyers, doctors, whatever it is, we are Christians living in a life of freedom. Can I get an amen? I don't ask for that very often, but that's worthy of an amen, isn't it? Bravely, Jesus triumphantly entered the city to serve and lay down his life to create and defend our freedom. 
Let's open up to John 12, 9 to 19 now as we read. I might have chose a very bad font here, so I apologize. It looked really great on my computer screen, but not necessarily so great here. But in John, in John chapter 12, verse 9 to 19, we read this. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came. Not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world had gone after him. The whole world had gone after him. I want to think about this for a minute. See, here's my main theme for today's message. If you're taking notes, write this down. My main theme is this. It's possible to be close to religion. In fact, you can be so close to religion. And yet you still miss God. I think we need to define our relationship and we need to truly think, who is our God? Who are we? When we come into this room, who do we see God as being? Who do we see Jesus as being? When we live in this life each and every single day, when we look to our King Jesus, what type of King is he? Well, more importantly, what type of King do we expect? him to be because I think we put our own expectations on him now I've spoken of this before so I don't want to put a lot of time into this but I want to say this you see as we define our relationship with Jesus we need to think are we a fan or are we a follower and this is truly biblical but it's also something practical to your life as you think of a fan a fan may be a fan of a team in the good times but when the bad times come they fall away or maybe they don't fall away, but they're not as vocal about being a fan of whatever team they're a fan of because they're not doing well. Or maybe they, they root for their team all the time, but then that blizzard comes. They have season tickets that cost thousands of dollars, but the blizzard comes. They're no longer at that game because tough times have come. Now, if you're a follower, though, a true follower, you're going to be at that game no matter if it's a good time or bad time, no matter if they're on the biggest winning streak they've ever had or whether they've been losing for years and years and years. It won't matter if it's a blizzard. It won't matter if it's negative 60 degrees out there. Whether God gave you wisdom or not, you're not using it because you're a true follower and you're going to be there no matter what. We must define a relationship with Christ. You see... This is the problem that we have as we celebrate Palm Sunday, as we read these scriptures. 
I think it's possible to be close to religion and yet still miss God. All these people are so close to Jesus. And they're celebrating him as a king entering the great city. But they didn't see him for the type of king he truly was. We have several people today who are going to be showing a symbol of following after Christ in baptism. They're going to be taking that plunge into the water today. Truly following after him, doing something that might be scary. It might be intimidating. It might be embarrassing. Maybe they're afraid of water. Maybe they're afraid of people. And seeing a hundred people stand in front of them as they do this is not easy. But they follow after Christ because Christ said to be baptized. Christ said to go out into all the nations and be baptized. And we use this example from scripture. As we think about this, this idea, fans first, followers, a fan, the dictionary describes as an enthusiastic admirer. That might sound good at first. I am an enthusiastic admirer of Christ, but it's still a fan. And God wants followers. Christ wants followers. Christ wants followers that are so devoted to him that we walk in obedience to his word. We walk in, in obedience to his commands. Christ wants followers who are so devoted to him. That John 8, 12 says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He wants people who are going to walk in that light, not in the shadows, as we talked last week. Not like a ninja trying to pride himself in how he can dodge the light and he can hide in the shadows and assassinating whoever he pleases. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. As Jesus was entering Jerusalem, he's literally fulfilling prophecy. He's literally doing exactly what God told us he would do, and yet the people are still missing it. Here's the thing. We need to be careful. We need to recognize Jesus in our life. Jesus was right there in front of them. And some of Jesus' devout followers participate in that special moment of his life. But many others, they missed it. Even the many, many, many people who were there watching him, celebrating with the palm branches, they weren't really there. They were there, don't get me wrong, but they weren't there for the right reasons. They didn't have a right perspective on who Jesus was and what Jesus was going to do. Today is Palm Sunday. And we right now are with thousands, hundreds of thousands of other believers around the world celebrating this day. But I think many people are celebrating for the wrong reasons, just as the people in Jerusalem that day. This is one of the few incidents which the Bible talks about in all four Gospels of Jesus' life. In all four Gospels, we read this story together of Jesus riding in as king on a donkey, triumphantly people are celebrating this occurrence of this king coming into the city we see that large crowds all four of the gospels speak of the large crowds of people that have come together to celebrate in fact they're there for the passover and and what we read is there could be um, up to 256,000 lambs slain in jerusalem on that at that time isn't that amazing Historians and research tells us that there could have been at least 1 million or up to 2.6 million people. Little did they know 
that Jesus was coming to be that final sacrificial lamb for them. 256,000 lambs would be slain that week if these numbers are correct. Yet Jesus was coming to be the final sacrificial lamb. Let me read this to you again. John 12, 9 to 19, as we start looking a little bit more verse by verse. John 12, 9 to 19. Actually, I'm going to start with just 9. says this. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came. Not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Now, when I think of Jesus triumphantly entering this city, I think my limited mind thinks about hundreds of people there watching him. Thousands of people watching him. But this says a large crowd. And then if we look on later on in this in the book of John chapter 12, it actually says in verse 19, So the, Phar the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. There were so many people that the Pharisees are looking down from their high thrones. And they thought it looked like the whole world was going after him. Up to 2.6 million people, that's like the population of Chicago, are in that city at that time. Now, I'm not saying that all those people are there watching him, but I'm sure that as all these people hear the uproar, hear the clapping, hear the chanting, hear the, the hosannas, the singing, more and more and more and more people are coming to worship him. But were they truly worshiping him with the right reasoning? You see, as we read this word, Hosanna, they were celebrating a king, just like we are to celebrate our king. But the word Hosanna is often a declaration of praise. It's a word which stands for a deep, intense praise, honor, and awe of God. It's similar to hallelujah, but the word Hosanna actually means a plea for salvation. So as these hundreds of thousands were, were say that, but it could have been millions, it could have been a lot more. We do know it's a large crowd, and we know for sure straight from Scripture it would look like the whole world is going after him. They're singing Hosanna. And as they sing Hosanna, they're saying, save us. Save us. It's a plea for salvation. They're singing Hosanna, but they're not singing to the same type of king that Jesus was going to be. There's many reasons that they were there, but the reasons were not for Jesus to sacrifice his life on the cross. Now, some, a select few, might have known this. They might have been there for the right reasons. They might have been following him from the very beginning, but all would eventually leave him. But here's the thing. Number one, many were there because of hearing the miracles. Again, that's straight from Scripture here that says, When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him. So some of them were, were there on account of it being Jesus but also to see Lazarus. To see Lazarus. They wanted to see this great miracle that God had done. They wanted to see this great, this great miracle, this great action that had been done, and not just Jesus. Jesus was like the sideshow to him. Lazarus was like the main event right now, and I think of it like a carnival attraction, where they, they attract all these people with all these advertisements of, and I'm sorry if it's not politically correct, I'm thinking back in time, but the bearded woman... Um, or the many other crazy attractions that carnivals might have. They wanted to see Lazarus. Lazarus is like a freak of nature to them. They had never known anybody to die, be buried in a sense, and rise again. They wanted to see what Jesus had done. Hosanna. Hosanna. We need to recognize our king. 
We need to recognize the answer to our cries of help. But these people, they weren't recognizing the cries for help because they were looking for a different type of help. Now, don't misunderstand me. Jesus was coming to save them. Just as Hosanna says, Jesus was going to be the answer to their prayers, the answer to their chants. Their, their chants. Jesus was giving them exactly what they were crying for, but they missed it. Because they were crying out for a king who would conquer. A king who would ride in on a horse. A king that would ride in with a sword drawn. That's the type of king that they wanted. And when they saw that this king was not that king, they would eventually leave him. Are we coming to Jesus for the right reason? Do we come to Jesus looking for this king on a horseback with a sword drawn, with a chariot of people, of an army behind him? Or do we truly cry out to him, Hosanna, with pure hearts and pure motives of just saying, Lord, save me. I don't deserve it, but I need it. I know that I need it. There's nothing else in this world that could save me but you. Your death on the cross, your blood spill is what paved a way for me to have this relationship with God. To have life eternal and forevermore. It goes on to tell us that they actually plan to kill not just Jesus, but Lazarus as well. John 12, 10 to 11 says, The chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Now, there are a couple reasons extensively that they could have been wanting to kill Lazarus. Lazarus, Lazarus is kind of like this innocent bystander that's guilty by association. Let me remind you, there's already a, a, um, there's already a warrant out for Jesus' arrest. They already wanted to kill Jesus. This prophesied Jesus knew it was going to happen. They should have known it was going to happen. But now they want to kill Lazarus, too. Why? Well, one, politically. You see, the Pharisees were used to being on their thrones, almost treated like royalty in the city. Everybody respecting them, listening to them, doing them what, doing for them anything that they asked. Secondly, with theologically. Now let's think about how these two things relate. Those Pharisees had this, this almost like priesthood, this royalty, because they were able to keep their people under control. But now with Jesus coming into the city, with Lazarus coming into the town, it's almost creating a rebellion, an insurrection. And if this was to occur, Roman, the Rome, Romans could have easily knocked them off of their throne, out of power. But theologically, for years the Sadducees had been telling people that there was never going to be a such possibility of resurrection. And now they have proof right in front of them of Lazarus being raised from the dead. So what more would they want to do but then to kill the evidence? We try to kill the evidence in our life as well. And some of that are bad things from our past, sinful past that we don't like people to hear, we're not proud of. But God wants to use the evidence. Just like Jesus was using the evidence here to the power and might of God, and it gave us this bigger picture of what was going to happen with Jesus. But the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they wanted to destroy it. In verse 13, let me read this to you. Actually, starting at 12, the triumphal entry. The next day, the large crowd that, that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So there's another reason that all these people were there. 
All these people were not just there because of Jesus. They were there because they were already there for the Passover feast. That's why so many people were there at that time. They were already there. It's not that these hundreds of thousands or millions of people came just because they heard Jesus is coming. They were already there, but they, they did change their direction to look to Christ. Verse 13, so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Verse 14, and Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Palm branches. Maybe you were driving through town the other day and you saw people carrying palm branches on the side of the road, walking down the sidewalk. I did. Have you ever wondered why? Why do you carry palm branches? Why did the kids carry palm branches into the church today? I don't think the thought or the idea behind the palm branches are bad. In fact, all of what's been doing is what's being spoke of here is good. The problem is their idea, their thought in their head of why. You see, it's a good symbol but wrongful thoughts. It was a symbol of a king coming into town to save the people. They're welcoming home a king whom they thought was going to save them. But again, they were expecting to be a different type of king, a different type of savior. They're expecting a warrior. And as they laid down these palm branches, they're saying, Lord, king, come save us for, from Rome. Then Jesus, it says they came on a donkey. Now, if you were to look in John or Luke, uh, Matthew, some of the other Gospels, you'd see that the disciples were actually sent to retrieve that donkey. I find that interesting. I don't have the verse in front of me, but Jesus basically tells him to go get a donkey for me. And if the master of the donkey asks why you're taking his property, his donkey, just say, this is for the Lord. This is for Jesus. Can you imagine being put in that position? Just somebody's taking a donkey. I don't have a donkey, so maybe I can't picture it as well as some of you. Maybe one of you has a donkey. Somebody's taking your donkey, and it, he asks, what are you doing? Why are you taking my donkey? Oh, the Lord needs it. What? That's all I get? You're taking the donkey because the Lord needs it? But that was all. They were wanting a political savior, yet, yet here comes, or a warrior, yet here comes Jesus riding in on a donkey, not a horse, a donkey, a symbol of humility. When a king would be riding into a city to have victory over that city, to crush that city, to conquer that city, the king would come into that city on a horse with a sword drawn with chariots and armies. Jesus didn't come like that, but they missed it. Jesus came on a donkey, and not just that, but a donkey's colt, almost one of the purest, simplest forms of showing humility. This is significant because the entrance is much different than what they expected, but not just that, they didn't even notice it. And it was prophesied in Zechariah 9.9. Verse 15 goes on to say about how the people did not pay much attention to this act. Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. But then in 16, it goes on to say, his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you're gaining nothing. 
The world has gone after him. The world has gone after him. We need to be sure that we're recognizing the work of the king. Jesus came in on this day, this, this day that we celebrate today as Palm Sunday, to triumphantly enter the city, an act of bravery and humility as he starts that process, that final process of his life to go towards Good Friday, to go towards the cross. They were so busy looking for salvation from Rome that they didn't realize, they didn't recognize that they needed salvation from themselves. And to start to wrap this up, and if you're having a baptism today, you're welcome to leave now to start getting ready, take your clothes with you. But to start to wrap this up, I want to encourage you with this. You see, Jesus' entry in Jerusalem is not so much a coronation as it was an act of supreme courage. His example should encourage all Christians of every, every age to bear witness to him, no matter what their consequences are. You see, Jesus never asked us to play it safe. His model for us is to be brave and to follow after him. I saw that quote this week. I love that quote. Jesus never asked us to play it safe. His model for us is to be brave and to follow him. But do we truly follow him? What type of savior do you need? What type of king are you looking for? What type of king are you needing? Are we missing him today? I heard a great application this week of missing things that are right in front of you that you need to see. It was a video clip, and I think many of you might have seen this video clip before of a person on their cell phone walking through New York City or wherever they were, and they didn't see this manhole cover in front of them that was off as sewer workers were there. So he's, he's on his phone, they're on their phone, not paying attention, and boom, right in the manhole they go. Don't you think that's something they should have seen? These people should have seen Jesus. They should have seen him for who he truly was and is and still is for us today. We need to make sure we're seeing him still. So here's some take-home steps for us because we need a savior. How do we recognize him still today? Because Jesus wants to enter our life and transform it, but are we missing this because we're not paying attention? Here's what we do. Number one, spend less time on media and more time praying, reading our Bible, talking to our children about God, and participating in discipleship, small groups, communities, together, worshiping God, just like this together. But we don't need to wait for this each week. We can have small groups throughout the week. This summer, we're looking to start some small groups here at Bloomer Baptist Church and in the community. And what a great platform you have then to reach the people around you. Whether it be coworkers or neighbors, you're able to say, hey, we've got a group that meets at my house on Monday nights and we just have a cookout and we talk about life and we pray and read from the scriptures. I'm asking all of you today, we're gonna try and find some people to start some small groups. One of these small groups might meet right after church service or at church in place of our Sunday school during the summer. Some might meet Monday nights, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights. Maybe God's been laying it on your heart to start a small group. If so, talk to me. Talk to one of the deacons. We're looking for you. But number two is this. Assess whether you've traded righteousness for self-righteousness. Are you missing Jesus like the religious leaders because you're too concerned with worldly things which do not really matter? 
And that happens in the church too, guys. As we nitpick and we complain or we, we bicker, we debate things that do not really matter. Number three is this. What does your relationship with Jesus look like? Is it a name only, or do you truly have a relationship with him and recognize him for who he is, your Savior? You know, it told us in the dictionary definition of Hosanna, it's often thought of as a declaration of praise, a word which stands for a deep, intense praise and honor in all of God. Do you truly recognize God in that way that when you say the word Father, you say the word God, you have this deep, deep, intimate, intense praise, honor, and you're in awe of him. It's Palm Sunday. I want you guys to think about that as you leave. I want you to think about that concert I went to, and some of you were there. I saw you. As we sang, Americans, we are Americans and we are free. I want you to think about the other side. We are Christians and we are free. But it's all because of Jesus. Today, Jesus triumphantly entered this city. And people celebrated their king. We can celebrate our king today. But we celebrate our king knowing that he's not just an earthly king. And that would have been great. We'd love that today too. But that's not truly what we needed. We need to celebrate our king as an eternal king, as a godly king, as a savior who came to give us life, not just now, not just for this week, not just salvation from our oppressors, but salvation from ourselves, salvation from our sin. I'm going to close in prayer, and the worship band will come up to close while I...